All right, so Proverbs, remember the beginning of the book, verses 1 through 7 of the first chapter, it provides for us an introduction with a purpose statement and a thesis. And the purpose statement is to hear wisdom and instruction. You remember wisdom there, we're talking about hokmah, we're talking about the knowledge of the good and the means to the good. The instruction was misar. And so that was discipline, training. Okay, so to hear wisdom and instruction. To see the words of understanding. To grab the instruction of success, justice, judgment, and equity. So we had the thesis, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, we ended that thesis, and it went into a, a literary structure called a chiasm, which, remember, is like an X. And so, because the X is kind of cut in half, it's like a crescent. And so the crescent has this structure, A, B, C, and D. And then it repeats the content of D in a different way. It comes out to C, and then B, and then A, right? So it forms that kind of crescent, just half of an X or a chi. So we've looked at A, which was the Father's invitation, and then we saw the gang's invitation in the same thing. Remember, so the household versus the gang. The wisdom of fathers versus the wisdom of the young men. And their wisdom is not wisdom, it was foolishness. And so we then looked at wisdom rebukes the simple and calls them to come and listen. C had the father warning against evil men and against the unchaste woman. Right, there's that concern about the, the temptation of a man. The young man might follow after the simple or the fool or the scoffer and the young man might also go after unchaste women. And so this desire to pursue pleasure with fools whether they be male or female, is being warned against. And we've come into this longer section in chapters 3 and 4, and it's the Father giving commands. And the specific command that gets repeated over and over again here, because it's supposed to be emphasized, is that you should listen to teaching. That you should heed the teaching. And so there's this repeated emphasis on the value of wisdom. And so you go, well, you know, there's a lot of talking here about the value of wisdom. When are we going to get to the details of the wisdom? Well, we kind of had some of it before in A, B, and C in the chiasm. We were told about who we should give our loyalties to. We were told about the importance of avoiding people that are going to draw us into foolishness. We were told about that in terms of the general categories, but also the categories of men and women. And then it's going to emphasize that on the way out and then we're going to have 30 or we're going to have 21 chapters of pearl after pearl after pearl of wisdom strung together that particular instruction now what we are to do here is to examine wisdom itself and its value and this is this introductory portion of the book still through chapter 9 is to help us 
to see why we need to keep our thoughts here. So think about the fact that God wrote the book of Proverbs, which chapters 1 through 9, as essentially an emphasis on how important it is to meditate on the rest of the wisdom. Right, so how much of the wisdom here is emphasizing how important it is to get wisdom? And so there's a verse that we're going to read today, and it says wisdom is the principal thing. And so hopefully that's made clear by the structure of the beginning of Proverbs. Wisdom is the principal thing. So we're going to be looking at verse 1. Let's read through chapter 4 of Proverbs Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me, and said to me, Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is robbed away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness. And drink the wine of violence. For the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter under the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. So you remember the author is Solomon. 
And we start out and it says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. And we think, ah, the instruction of a father. Yeah, we know. We already heard about this. Dads are going to teach their kids, and kids should listen to their dads. But it says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me. So the instruction of a father here is not the instruction of Solomon, it's the instruction of David. And Solomon is carrying the instruction of his father David. And now it's become his instruction as well. But this is the grandfather's instruction. And so these are words that Solomon stored up in his heart from the instruction he received from David. And what David said to him was, Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace. And that word ornament is really literally wreath. Like the kind of crown you get after winning a competition. A wreath of grace. A wreath of favor. A crown of glory. She will deliver to you. So when you replace the word ornament with wreath, you realize in both places we're talking about a crown. A crown of victory, a crown of rule. David knew something about crowns. He passed one on to Solomon. We are all used to thinking of Solomon as the wise man. But where did he learn to ask the Lord God Almighty for wisdom when God told him that he would give to him what he requested? He learned it from King David who taught him the principal thing is wisdom. If you hear nothing else, hear that. The principal thing is wisdom. And so the call is to hear, because this is not just the teaching of Solomon, this is not just the teaching of a father. We think of our fathers, and our fathers are a portal to wisdom that's older than us. Our fathers are portals to wisdom that's older than us. The world did not start with you, and the world will not end with you. Wisdom was not born with you, and you are not the people. Wisdom precedes us, and wisdom will last beyond us. We are to hear the instruction that is ancient. And so we are drawn back to the wisdom of fathers and to our fathers' fathers. And we have the apostolic deposit. We have the deposit of ancient wisdom that was delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ to the church and it was preserved. We have the word of God preserved. And so, children are to hear the instruction, the training of fathers. 
and to give attention, to know understanding. Remember, understanding is about the meaning of things. The training is to teach us how we should apply these things, how we should go, the way that we should walk. And then this call to give attention, to know the meaning of things. And so there's this delivery of good doctrine, and there are commandments that are good. Good doctrine and law. Remember we talked about that division of the word, rightly dividing the word? Doctrine and law. The Shorter Catechism does the same thing in question three. What are the principal things taught in the scriptures? You're told in the third question that what we are to believe concerning God and the duty that God requires of man. That right division here exists here as well. The doctrine and the law. And so that's, that's wisdom. The knowledge of God and the knowledge of how to grow in the knowledge of God. And so Solomon is passing on to his sons what has been important. Of all the inheritance he's received, the most important thing for him to pass along is the teaching. It's the doctrine. It's the law. He's passing along wisdom from his father to his children. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother. What's the point of this? This is to say, when I was a boy and King David was concerned for my well-being as an heir of the throne, and when my mother focused on me as the apple of her eye, right? There's a time, mothers, you know this, when little ones require so much attention. And in that time, it is as though they are the only one in your sight. When Solomon was tender, when he was impressionable, when he was easily impressed upon, when he was the only one in the sight of his mother, when his mother was giving him a focused attention, in that time, King David taught him and said to him, let your heart retain my words. And apparently, Solomon was impressionable because he remembered it. It left a mark. He stored up these words. Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Now, this is the covenant of works. Keep Grandpa's words in your heart and live. This is the idea of, of obtaining life through the law. But the point here is not to say, David's not reasserting this idea of the covenant of works, saying, be good enough and you can have eternal life. What he's doing is he's saying, the law is an instrument to give life in the sense that it shows your need for salvation. And so there's that way in which it's used for salvation, and there's also the way in which it tends towards life, the way in which wisdom helps us to be able to live in a useful way, in a way that is life-giving to ourselves and to others. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Right. So get the knowledge of what is good and how to grow in that. Understand the meaning of things. And there's this command to not forget, which should remind you of the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath. And there's this constant call to not forget. We think about how much wisdom has been lost 
from generation to generation. How many times there have been a rising to some new high point and the loss of things. That loss of things occurs typically because one generation taught the next and that generation then failed and they just assumed that the wisdom passed along by osmosis. It doesn't. It doesn't just pass along by osmosis. You don't just get to be wise just by being around wise people. That's certainly better than being around as fools, which is why the third generation, things go bad quickly. Because the preserving effects of the wise and then those who were taught by the wise is diminishing. You know, people talk about the greatest generation, those guys that fought World War II. They're not the greatest generation. They didn't pass along a better world they passed along a decaying world. There are generations that have come before them that have passed along a world that was better. Think about the progress of things from the Reformation in 1517 to the writing of the Westminster Confession in 1643. Is the Westminster Confession more clear than the 95 Theses? Is it better? Is it more full? We think about the development of things, the improvement of things. Was the world a better place in 1643 than it was in 1517 when Martin Luther started to proclaim the gospel boldly and broadly? There's several generations there. We're talking three generations of time. And so those generations, I would dare to say, were greater than what we call the greatest generation. Fighting the Nazis fighting back Imperial Japan, an important work. But their children have destroyed the inheritance of the West. And that is because they did not teach their children and because their children would not learn. And so we are in the ruins of Western civilization, the ruins of the good things passed on by the Protestant Reformation, and we are rebuilding in the ruins. And that rebuilding must begin in the souls of our children who must learn wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Be able to define things. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake wisdom. Wisdom will preserve you. We tend to think when we are young that we are invincible. That we will live and that we are guaranteed long life. Young people die every day. Wisdom preserves you. Love wisdom and she will keep you. Wisdom keeps, provides overwatch. Now, the idea that wisdom watches over you when you love wisdom is true literally, and it's also true in a less literal way. So here's the way it's literal. If you love wisdom, you love God. You love the Logos. And if you love the Logos, well, you only love him because he loved you first. And if he loves you, then you are elect, and you receive wisdom as a gift. 
and he will supervise the whole of history for your good. If you love wisdom, wisdom will watch over you. Now, in addition to that, past wisdom that we have spoken and thought and acted on has a cumulative effect that helps to protect and watch over you. It creates hedges and reserves and co-laborers. When you think truth, it builds patterns of thought that you remember so that later on, when you think stupid things, that wisdom comes back to mind and helps to correct you. When you love wisdom and you've told other things, spoken truth in the past, your words come back to you. Like, for example, when you teach your kids what's right and wrong, and when you do something wrong, and they say it back to you and tell you they become external consciences. It creates hedges and reserves of blessing. And wisdom results in being around wise people. Wisdom results in covenanting to pursue the good. And it creates bonds and obligations, and it makes it harder to step away from wisdom. So there are these things that make it so that wisdom preserves you in wisdom. And wisdom overwatches you and guards you when you love wisdom. How many other things provide that kind of reserve of blessing and hedging? It is so easy for a life to go off track and to be ruined. Bad friends, bad thoughts, substances abused, stupid things done, crimes done. It's really easy as a young person to commit a crime with other young people. It's really easy to do something that can get you killed or injured. Wisdom is the principal thing because it guards you and preserves you and protects you, but because also it's the principal thing. Its blessings are not as good as it itself. Wisdom is higher than the other blessings that accompany it. It's the principal thing. We don't get wisdom so we can get honor. We don't get wisdom so that we can have pleasure. We don't get wisdom so that we can have a long life. Those are things that come with wisdom, but wisdom is the principal thing. It's the highest good. If you have to lose years of your life for wisdom's sake, make the trade. If you have to give up gold for wisdom, make the trade. If you lose reputation for the sake of wisdom, make the trade. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, trade anything else for it. In all you're getting, get insight into the meaning of things. Get understanding. Wisdom is the first priority because it's the final end, the highest good. It is the good for man. Exalt wisdom and she will promote you. Wisdom will bring you honor when you embrace her. Exalt her. She will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. There is this surrounding of verse 7 here with blessings that come with wisdom. And you can start to think that these are like magical incantations. You get wisdom, and then here's this these charms that go off, and, and good things that kind of just magnetically get pulled to you. There's a structure to things. It works in a certain way, and it accords with everything else we know 
that has been revealed. The, beauty, the beautiful thing about wisdom is it comes with all these things, and it also explains how that works. And so, in the past, you've heard me talk about how wisdom leads to this, and let me remind you. As others see wisdom in you, they will want you to lead. That will result in your promotion in status and in reputation. As others see wisdom in you, it's because wisdom has started to pour out of your words and actions. When you have wisdom, it comes out your fingertips and it flows off your lips. If you get wisdom and store it up in your heart, you will speak and act in a powerful, life-giving way. And it will result in honor over time. Now, King David, being repeated by King Solomon, in words that are inspired, breathed out by the Holy Spirit, doubles down on this, right? We just had a Hebraism where it says, get wisdom, you'll get honor, get wisdom, you'll get honor. And then it says, get wisdom and you will really get honor, get wisdom and you will really get honor. Right? That's what happens in the next verse. The next verse, verse 9, wisdom will place on your head a wreath of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. What's more honorable than people saying good things about you? Them giving you a crown. If somebody offers you the position of king, that's more honorable and somebody just saying good things about you. Agreement? Objections? Okay. Seems to be agreement. So the doubling down that occurs here. She will place on your head a wreath of grace. Wisdom will crown you with an ornament of grace. A wreath of grace. Wisdom brings authority in beauty and favor. And delivers power with glory and honor. Now you can get power in dishonorable ways. A lot of men have done it. You can keep power in dishonorable ways. A lot of men have done it. Wisdom allows you in beautiful and glorious ways to gain power. Now, the way that works is something I laid out when we were studying the book of Acts. Wisdom is transformative. As we grow in wisdom, it allows us to rule ourselves and thus to rule the world around us and leads to the rule of other people. Wisdom does this by causing us to have an increased sense of duty. Wisdom gives us piety, a sense of duty to steward well the things that God has given to us. So wisdom creates that sense of duty, that piety. And that piety results in an increase of exercise of dominion over the things that God has given to us. And that pushes out to the edges of our sphere of authority. Now, when that happens, pushing out our rule in righteousness to the edges of our domain results in conflict with evil. It results in conflict with evil because... In our laziness, we fail to recognize, wait a minute, there's a fortified position of the devil right there. How did I not pay attention to that? 
And so strongholds of the enemy that are in our domain, all of a sudden we go, I should probably tear this down. And you start to do that, and it's hard. And then, as you're doing that, and you get out to the edges of your responsibility, you realize, (coughs) you know, the things I govern are right next to a bunch of evil, evil things. And when I have to interact with them, it creates conflict. Piety pushes out our rule to the edges of our sphere. And pushing out the rule of righteousness to the edges of one's domain results in conflict with evil in the strongholds of the devil which have been placed in your domain and on the borders. This is spiritual war. When we fight the spiritual war against evil and seek to overcome the flesh, the world, and the devil, we will gradually overcome the enemy by the wisdom and power of God. Now, we will be desirous to withdraw because it's painful. Spiritual warfare is painful. But wisdom also gives fortitude. It gives a strength of soul. It fortifies the soul. It makes the soul to be strong, mature, stable. It does this by setting a firm foundation of thought, the Word of God. That is done through the effectual work of the Spirit to illuminate our minds. So wisdom gives fortitude so that we can face down risk and danger with courage and endure suffering without complaint. Strength of soul allows us to rule ourselves. The overcoming of evils inside of our boundaries or on the edges allows us to increase our dominion and to draw in disciples. Our increased dominion allows us to disciple more people. And when we push out to the edges of that new game, guess what? You will get more spiritual warfare. Right? You get promoted. When we push to the edges, more conflict comes. That conflict is the process through which wisdom gives you a wreath of victory. Think about the nuance here in the Word of God. The idea of a wreath versus a crown. The wreath is about victory. Wisdom places on your head a wreath, a crown of victory. And wisdom also places on your head a crown for rule. Wisdom makes it so you can win and gain. And wisdom makes it so that you can hold on to the thing and rule it well. That is what wisdom does. Wisdom brings honor. Wisdom brings power. Wisdom brings long life. But wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom. Now, Solomon continues on in verse 10 and says, Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, 
And do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they have made someone full. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter into the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. So we have this call to what is good, and now there's the warning about what is evil. The sayings that are given are wisdom, and they bring life. Have you noticed the theme here, that wisdom solves the curse of death? Wisdom solves the curse of death. And there's teaching in the way of wisdom that has been passed on. And there's been a leading in right ways. Now, none of us has a perfect human teacher around us to lead us in right ways. But we do have a capturing of the history of the Word of God incarnate. And so we have that example in the stories and what's happened in Christ's life. And so when we think about these truths and we keep the wisdom, we keep the instruction, our walking and running are blessed. If you read back through this, you'll notice it talks about path, walk, run, path, walk, There's this repeated nature of the idea of the way we go. Verse 19 again has the way of the wicked. And it says, talks about stumbling. So there's this emphasis on the metaphor of how we walk. And the walking points to the idea of how we live our lives. The way we go. And think about that. In really, this metaphor goes pretty far. Because when you're walking, you don't just walk around aimlessly unless you're on the cell phone like I do. What you do is you're typically walking in a direction to get to a goal. And when you walk in a direction to get to a goal, where you're going matters. When you get there, what do you find? So the way of wisdom and the right paths, that's what you should walk in. And when you do that, your steps won't be hindered. When you run on the right paths in the way of wisdom, you will not stumble. Now, this idea of walking and being hindered or running and stumbling, right? Think about we work and then things don't work out. We work and there's not fruit. We work, it's toil. That's exasperating. And the idea of Walking and being hindered. Have you, have you ever had to walk through brush? And your feet get caught. And you have a hard time going. One of the glories of paths is that they're clear of brush. It's a simple thing until you don't have it. And when you don't have it, all of a sudden, you're blessing paths. Paths are a glorious thing when you don't have them. And so, 
when you walk on the path, the right path, when you walk in the way of wisdom, your steps will not be hindered. You will live productively, fruitfully. You will make progress. And in fact, you can run. What's running about? Running is about working hard to do something fast, right? You don't run someplace unless you've got something you've got to do quickly. The idea of running to accomplish some sort of goal. Do you have any memories of running and then just falling? Just face plant or fall onto your chest or fall and catch yourself even with your hands. It's awful. Serious injury comes from running and falling. It's also really embarrassing. Which is why there are so many videos on the internet of people running and falling. When you run, you will not stumble. You can try hard, move fast, and you will not stumble. Now, if you're trying to accomplish anything in life, you will find very quickly that there's not enough time in the day. And you have to move fast. You have to make decisions quickly. You've got to make judgment calls, and you just move one thing after another. And when that happens, you set yourself up to do stuff that causes you to fall on your face, and it's embarrassing. Wisdom makes it so that you can run in the way, going the right direction, and not stumble. So take firm hold of instruction and don't let it go. Keep her, for she is your life. We just heard about the idea of the commandments being life. How would instruction being life and commandments being life, how would those things fit together? Oh, if you are trained in the commandments and apply them, you will find that you're walking in the right direction and your feet won't get tangled up on the way. You will find that you can run in the right direction and you're not going to face plant. Some people kindly sometimes come to me and say, David, you're making progress, you're doing stuff, you're making some stuff happen, you seem really focused. I look at myself, it's hard to see that because it feels, it feels like I'm not moving very fast. Five years ago, though, if I look at what I was doing then, I was moving a lot slower, getting a lot less done. Five years before that, a lot less. And you could probably say that about yourself if you look back five years. The progress of the cumulative effect of growing in wisdom makes it so that you start to move and what feels slow to you feels like light speed to other people. It makes it so that you are moving and everybody else feels like they're in slow motion. And so you're able to get more done, be more effective, make decisions more quickly that are more risky. On the other side, verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. You see the thing? Just cover your eyes and go. Keep on the path of righteousness. For the wicked don't sleep unless they've done evil. Now, their sleep is taken away. The word literally is robbed unless they make someone fall. Think about productivity and then think about instead of productivity having to make other people unproductive 
that is the kind of evil that forms in foolishness. And you see this. Think about how big of an effort there is for people to confuse boys and girls about being boys and girls. Think about how big of an effort there is to make sexual sin into something that's attractive. People who are tangled up in sexual sin are trying with all their might to make it look as great as they possibly can and remove every possible barrier to it and eliminate every possible shame to it. With all their might. And they can't sleep unless they're doing it. They can't go to bed because someone on the internet out there is saying that the Bible says otherwise. Right? That's, that's what happens. And so, this desire to suppress the knowledge of the truth, not only internally, but externally, makes it so that unless you can make somebody else fall, you can't rest. Why is that? It's because they are eating the bread of wickedness and drinking the wine of violence. And you are what you eat. Now think about this in comparison to the Lord's Supper. Bread that represents righteousness and wine that points to our peace. They drink wine that points to violence and hatred and bread that points to evil, wickedness, unrighteousness. Now, when we think about the Lord's Supper, it points to the Word of God. So what are they eating and drinking? They're eating and drinking words that are false. They're eating and drinking foolishness. They eat this false word and they drink this false word. Stay away from their paths because the actions of wickedness reinforce false thinking and false words. The actions of wickedness reinforce false thinking and false words. And when you're doing it, you will be around people who say those false words and think those false thoughts. And they will reinforce that in your own soul. You become the companion of fools as opposed to the companion of the wise. The way you live your life affects the company you spend time with. The way you live your life affects the company you spend time with. The people you spend time with have a dramatic impact on what you do. So we have that warning in verse 18. We switch back around and it goes to to this, this idea of the positive again. But the path of the just is like the shining sun or the shining light that shines ever brighter under the perfect day. When you have wisdom, when you have righteousness, you grow in wisdom and righteousness. You will shine brighter this is true on the individual level, and it is true on the corporate level. The individual bears more and more fruit over time, and the group bears more and more fruit over time until they abandon the path of righteousness. The way of the wicked, on the other hand, is like darkness, and they do not know what makes them stumble. Well, we were talking about stumbling before. Imagine running in the dark. Imagine running in the dark and then stumbling in the dark. <clears throat> you don't know what's there. You know what your face is going to hit. You know what your hands are going to hit. You know what your chest is going to hit. You don't know what your knees are going to hit. It's dark and you've been running. How dumb do you feel right now? Why was I running in the dark? 
So that I face planted on a rock, knocked out a tooth, hit my knee, scraped my shin. What was I doing? Imagine getting up again and running full speed as fast as you can again. And then you stumble again in the dark. Why am I so dumb? What am I doing? You get back up, running. This is what's happening around us all over the place. The way of the wicked is like darkness. And they do not know what makes them stumble. The thing about not being wise is you can't even differentiate between things, right? You think, oh, you know, look at me, I'm so pragmatic, I'm just going to do what works. You don't know what works if you don't know what reality is. And you don't know what reality is unless you have wisdom. The smugness of ignorance and foolishness is what makes it so that people keep getting up and running in the dark. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Comments, questions, objections from the voting members and those with speaking rights. Okay. Wisdom's good. I agree. I agree, Mr. Roberts. Wisdom's good. <laughs> okay. Then um, let's pray. Father, we ask that you would bless us, that you would give us wisdom, that you would cause us to see the goodness of wisdom, that you would help us to see that wisdom is transformative and cumulative, and that we would want to get more and more of it and be able to rule ourselves well and that you would help us to be able to work together so that we can accomplish more using the gifts that we have to divide labor, and that we would be able to share in the fruits of that together, that we would, as we all grow in wisdom together, accelerate the rate at which we can share and enjoy wisdom together. We ask that you would draw others to this work, that you would help us to exercise dominion well and to disciple. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.